Hello, my name is Amy K. Bryant, and this is 10,000 Voices podcast series from 10,000 Things Theater Company. 10,000 Things Theater usually performs live, bringing human-centered stories to people in correctional facilities, senior communities, homeless shelters, non-traditional learning settings, and many other community locations. We believe in the power of theater and storytelling in bringing us closer to each other. Because of the pandemic, we were not able to bring our stories directly to the audiences, so we decided to reach out to some of Minnesota's most isolated communities and ask them to share their stories with us so that we might highlight their voices. Playwright Kira Obolinski came up with five writing prompts to provoke the imagination. We sent those prompts to correctional facilities, secure locations, and senior communities across the state and received over 50 responses. In this episode, you will hear work submitted to 10,000 Voices Creative Writing Challenge from the Forensic Mental Health Program in St. Peter during the summer of 2020. Voicing the work will be actors Brian Bowes, myself, Amy K. Bryant, Sunmi Shomet, T. Michael Rambo, Jason Rojas, and Dalis Santestevan. People living in secure facilities in Minnesota have been even further isolated during this time. Regular activities have been suspended or reduced, and visiting is suspended until further notice at most locations. Many have not had an opportunity to see their loved ones in person since March of 2020. We are excited to share with you the uniqueness and excellence of these pieces. We celebrate the humanity and the creative expression of each and every writer who participated in this project and wish you, our listeners, much peace and health during these times. Aliens by Bakita at FMHP St. Peter. Chasing my shadow, what has gotten into me? Alienated as my star falls in peace. Nights of aura, days of peace. All I see is darkness. What is in the dark? My shadow comes clear as a soul of ease. I fall down where my mind can be. What did I do? Who can I be? I feel so alienated. My soul is at peace. It's like time is almost here. I am the best. Why did I fear? She said no by El Zeke at FMHP St. Peter. There was once upon a time I thought I had found the love of my life. I wanted her to be my wife. But there was just one problem, and in a bit I will explain how I tried to solve them. But this is how it all started and led us to being parted. We used to argue and struggle. She'd grab a butcher knife and yell, I'ma cut you! Then we'd make love and cuddle. To me, she was a puzzle. Every day we would argue. I would ask myself, what do I do? So I thought and pondered till my head hurt. Then I thought of something I knew would work. I said, hmm, baby, I need a word. I really love you and put nothing above you. 
So to make you happy, and because I'm tired of you trying to scalp me, so from now on, when something goes wrong, you are always right, and I am at fault. Then she scared me by the look on her face. I thought I could hear gears grinding and churning. Was it my imagination? I thought I smelled something burning. Then she said, No. Like she quite wasn't sure. So I ask, Who's crazy? Me or her? Survive by Thurman at FMHP in St. Peter. Survive is the way of the land. Survive is the way of life. Survive is what I promise to myself. Survive is what I say to myself. Survive, I will not lie to myself. Survive, I will not fight with myself. Survive. I will rebuild myself. Survive. You must not tell a lie. Survive. We all must come together to fight the battle that life brings. Survive. Family is what brings us together. Survive is what makes life a beautiful thing. Survive. Don't be afraid to fight. Survive. Don't be afraid to live, because at the end, we all will win. The Booger by L. Zeke at FMHP St. Peter Don't be a booger to me. So let me try to explain easily. Boogers are a part of life. I clean my nose out morning, noon, and night. So heed this warning and get it right. Don't be a booger to me. I will pick you out and wipe you off on anything convenient. I mean it, if able, under a table, without a second thought. This parable is quite terrible because you never hear, I wonder how that booger I wiped under the table is doing. So I'm telling you, I'm not fooling. Don't be a booger to me. Dreams by Bakita at FMHP St. Peter. It's like I died and went to hell. Days were not real. Nights turned cold all because I could heal. Thoughts of a show has me in fall. I fall into her arms, time has prevailed. At nights I may roam, days may be. It's up to you to actually see me. Dreaming of love, dreaming to see, I finally died, and that is me. I Believe by Chad at Fairbow. I believe in a lot of things to accomplish the impossible. Can we make peace? We? That means all of us. I believe it is possible. 
There has been a war going on since the beginning of time, since night and light came into play. I believe we can do this if we all just do right. We can't destroy this planet that's been around for 15 billion years. There's no effing way this is happening. So don't ruin this for everyone. If you're so pissed off and hate this world and feel like destroying it, do everyone that feels like living a favor and off yourself. Because there are women and children in this world, and I'm sure they're scared because you dipshits are out there destroying life, property, and making this world hell. So if you feel like nobody cares anymore, guess what? I do. And millions of others. So stop being evil dipshits and believe it will get better. It has to. Because when Christ comes back, he will trust and believe if he puts me in charge, there will be peace promise so that you believe we will all have a promising future for all life love always chad portrait portrait by william at fmhp st peter side light is best long shadows and orange sunlight from mother of pearl clouds Light streaming down to catch trees, golden highlighted bark, and bright fresh green leaves. Da Vinci said it in his notebooks. Morning and evening give the best light for painting. The light strikes the scenery with a warm glow and high contrast. The foliage, the buildings, and the people are all warmed by the sun at its best. Da Vinci never had to pay a cell phone bill or buy a new transmission for a minivan. He never had to pay a daycare fine for picking up his child too late. Da Vinci went looking for some lead oxide to use as white paint, or some vegetable oil to use as medium, or some linen for a canvas. Da Vinci was a scientist of the day, when wood, bronze, and leather were the materials used to build what crude devices we look at in museums and say, This man was a genius for his time! He designed crude tanks with cannons and flying machines so close to our modern ultralight aircraft that an engineer could just cry. He was so close to a success. He was a star in his time. Craig Rogers pushed open the glass door of the art supply store and moved toward the acrylic paints display. He selected five tones of flesh-colored paint, a tube of titanium white, some burnt umber, an ivory black, a Mars black, and an alizarin crimson. He stood over the poster board and selected five 16 by 24 boards and made his way to the front desk for checkout. The cashier totaled his purchases, added in his discount for his student ID card, and said, That's gonna be forty nine seventy five. He paid the girl and walked out to his old car, an aging Chevy 4x4 pickup truck slid his purchases into the passenger seat, and slid in after them. Craig idolized Leonardo da Vinci. He often read his translated notebooks. Those were the ones not only in Italian, but written so that they could only be read when held up to a mirror with backwards writing. Craig was an artist. He collected all the best books on art, from Frank Frazetta to John Singer Sargent and all the Renaissance masters, he had them all. Craig's own art was good enough that when Llewellyn Publications needed an Egyptian tarot deck of cards to be created from scratch, they came to him. 
His mind was occupied with decisions on which Egyptian gods and hieroglyphs to assign to which stations in the deck of cards. Osiris, or Anubis, or Ra, or Isis. And what does an Egyptian sword look like? Questions and options tumbled in his brain. Craig pulled off Lake Street into the Podani building parking lot. The first floor housed a camera shop on the west side and a business furniture store on the south. He worked the lock on the west door and ascended the stairs of the three-story brown brick building, then followed the hall to room 203. It was at one time a dentist's office with a lobby and four small workrooms on the south side of the building, immediately above the furniture store. This was now his photo and art studio. The lobby was where he shot his photos for source material for his paintings. He laid his purchases down on the desk at the west end of the lobby area, then walked to the telephone in one of the old dentist's work bays to see if he had any messages. My name is Sheila, and I hear you're paying $20 an hour for modeling. I don't do porno, so I want to be upfront about that. But give me a call if you're for real. My number is 612-721-7660. Craig cataloged the call from Sheila and unloaded his new purchases from his shopping bags, opened the door to the refrigerator, and retrieved a jug of orange juice that he drank straight without using a glass. He picked up the telephone receiver and dialed her number. The phone rang three times, and then a distinctively feminine voice spoke on the line, identical to the voice message. Hello? This is Sheila Whitefeather. Who is this? My name is Craig Rogers, and I'm looking to hire an artist's model for a photo workup for some painting ideas I have planned. You sound like you have a Native American name. Are you? I am. Does that matter? Everything matters in art. Say you try to make a painting and you find a woman named Van Lanningham. And then you think Dutch Masters and Rembrandt and Van Eyck. And then all of a sudden you're in a mood to paint a scene of a girl with a pearl earring. Or Night Watch. Or the woman pouring milk. That sounds kind of prejudiced to me. Are you going to paint me as Pocahontas or Sacagawea? Or some other notable Indian maiden? I would love to do that. Have you got any native costumes of any kind? Bring them if you've got them. He paused as an idea raced in his brain. Try to find a bikini-like swimsuit if you can. I'm in the mood to do homage to Frank Frazetta and paint you as the warrior princess of Mars. Sheila said she could comply. And as he was paying for nude modeling but offering to photograph in costumes, she thought that was good. Or at least that was the idea she planted in his mind and, above all, gently caused him to think it was his idea. They booked a session for the next day, and she arrived on time with an overnighter backpack filled with powwow costumes. Out came a bikini, several works of meticulous Indian beadwork, and a black suede dress with fringe, and orange and red and turquoise beadwork on the shoulders and yoke. She darted behind the changing screen and slipped out of her jeans and into the dress. It was then that Craig saw the beauty of this young woman in her cultural uniform. 
She stood about five foot six with a broad mouth, strong jaw, and dark black within black eyes that drank him in and momentarily rendered him a stare-tram-fixed fool. She smiled and broke the silence. So, uh, how do you like the hair? Braided or not? Either works fine for me. Um, well, uh, uh, I guess just try it in the braid for now. She moved over to the white seamless backdrop and for the next 40 minutes Craig snapped his pictures. He used his new digital camera. He posed her using his favorite light source, simulated by strobes of flashlight. The shadows came from the side. The light was side light, like that found at sunset or sunrise. After the shoot, he sat at his computer in one of the old dental bays on the south face of the studio. He and Sheila watched the images come to life on the screen. The dress was a pullover, without a waist, but her hourglass figure showed through. She reached into her daypack and withdrew a gun-like object that Craig took for a prop as it had no hole at the tip of the barrel. She gently pressed the object to the base of his neck, just above his shoulder muscles. Craig felt a kind of cool paralysis and slumped over in his chair, collapsing onto the computer keyboard. Thoughts streamed in and out of his terrified mind, the horror of helpless confusion. Don't be afraid. I just need you to be a camera. You're good. I need your talent. Craig found he could move his eyes, so he followed the sound to her. Sheila picked up his head and torso and positioned him so he could sit up and watch her. She stripped out of the black suede dress and stood before him nude. A powerfully beautiful young woman, slim and trim, shapely, yet lightly proportioned. She took a beaded circlet from her daypack and slowly worked it onto his head. This is the crown of creation. It just looks like some fancy beadwork, but you'll see soon enough what it can do. She backed away from him while he balanced himself in his old threadbare green swivel chair. He watched her. I'm not from around here. You might say I am a kind of visitor here, the young woman said. My friends in the Indian community call me Unkatome. That's Dakota Sioux for shapeshifter. I am originally from a planet about a thousand light years away from here. My race was genetically engineered a thousand millennia ago to serve in a war where intelligence was gathered by those who could pass as the enemy. They say I am close to Ungashala. That's Dakota Sioux for Great Spirit or God. Just blink when you think the image should be taken. It works just like a camera. She reached into her daypack and withdrew a small plastic bottle of eye drops, then leaned Craig's head back and dropped one drop of fluid into each eye. Craig watched her nude form prance and dance. He could hear sound and see bands of color surround her. The sound built up to wails that popped and reeled, mixing with the colors twisting around her dancing form. He could see a frame around her. There were symbols on the edge of the frame, like 
on a computer screen. He blinked. A number one appeared on the left top corner of the frame. He blinked again. He saw the number in the corner go to two. He continued watching and blinking. When the number in the corner reached 27, she stopped and plucked the circlet from his head, then moved behind the screen to dress. Craig felt his legs and tried moving. He could sit up and, and move his head. He massaged his back with his hand and stroked his jaw. She had packed a hell of a punch with the headband, the gun, and the eye drops. He tried to stand but felt weak, so he sat back down. Sheila, he said. I'm here. Are you feeling better? I got twenty-seven good frames out of you. You have a good mind for this. What? You are a camera, Craig. Years of setting up shots have left you with a sixth sense about photo work. I have to send my spirit mother a note, and you gave me twenty-seven images to choose from. You mean to say you're sending your folks a Christmas card with a portrait of yourself on it? Sort of. That was my favorite body to wear. She emerged from behind the changing screen and stood before him now. She came out as a Caucasian woman, about twenty-eight years, with blue eyes, blonde hair, and clear white skin, several shades lighter than she had been before. Your technology is catching up to the rest of the galaxy. Soon you will be able to be a pest. I'm sending my mother the portraits you took. I digitized the information and sent it over light beams. Not that what you see is needed to transmit. We have a sense of cost just like you. It's cheap to send her my portfolio this way. We use laser light as a carrier wave to a relay. Then it gets shipped instantly from one end of the galaxy to another. Light is really cool stuff when you understand it. Laser coherent light, ultraviolet, infrared, and it all comes to about 3% of the electromagnetic wave spectra. You are a weird chick, but I mean that in the nicest way possible. Craig still felt stunned, but not frightened. She reached out, then hoisted her day pack and bounded out the door. Craig tried to walk what was too uncoordinated between coming off the drug in his eyes and the spent feeling in his bones. He did all he could by stumbling to a futon in the far end of his studio. He woke the next morning, calm and alert. He walked to the diner across the street and ate. Back in the studio, he drew an Indian maiden in twilight sun. She had left him the film and electronic photos from the first half of the shoot. He had enough to make a good painting. The light caught her sideways and defined her form. She wore a black suede dress with geometric patterns on the yoke. He sketched out his plan for a portrait.